I was telling a few members, I think, I think it's harder to get up in front of Gideon's army and the staunch primitive Baptist that stay around for a Sunday afternoon because you know, they know as much, if not a whole lot more than, than I do, and I have to have a, my A game on in a difficult, <laughs> difficult situation. But I appreciate you uh, staying this afternoon. And I was thinking, you know, as much as I like to speak about how awesome God is and the, about his purpose, his work, his promises, and how, uh, how sure they are, it's real easy to uh, speak on those things. Um, but I tell you, I really enjoy also speaking about the things that God just cannot do. Stuff, you know, normally that would be kind of an oxymoron. You know, you tell somebody that you can't do something. And that's not very favorable, you know. If you can't help me with something I need help on and you just say you can't do it, I mean, that's not really encouraging to me. But it's a little bit different when you're talking about God himself. The things that God can't do actually are just as sweet as promises to us as his children here in this life. Uh, Titus 1 and 2 says, Paul, uh, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God simply cannot lie. He has made a promise in hope of eternal life. We are encouraged. We have a hope, an earnest expectation, all based on what? That God cannot lie. He promised it before the world began. His promises, his purpose, and his work are going to come through. We have hope in that. We are encouraged by that. We have an earnest expectation of, of eternal life because God just cannot cannot lie. In Hebrews 6 and 617 says, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel. He confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who fled for a refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Here we have hope again, based on the promises of God. He says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. We have a hope. It is an anchor to the soul. It's sure and steadfast. There's one thing about promises I've made, break a promise real easy by telling you that I'm going to do something and for whatever reason I failed to fulfill that promise and I basically lied which God cannot do and I've broken a promise you know essentially it may not be a horrible situation but if I've told you I'm going to do something and I don't fulfill that promise I basically lied to you and I've uh, broken a promise and it's different with God what he says he's going to do he's going to do he, we know that God cannot change. Life, we as his sheep, change every day. I, I've changed already from minute by minute, second by second. Life is currently always changing. But God cannot change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why we can have hope of what he said he's going to do. He's going to do it. He cannot change the uh, James 1.17 says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, 
with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. There's no variables involved with God. What you have is a solid rock, a solid foundation. His words that are in his book they haven't changed. When he put them down, there's no reason to make change in the future. From what was good back then, it's good today. We can count on the word of God as a, a lifeline or, you know, a guidance, GPS through this world. Why? Because it's based on solid truth, solid foundation. It was good back then, it's good today. That's why we can count on with God. There's no immutability. There's, you can't, um, talk about immutability, you think of like a remote control, you know, and hitting the mute button. You can change the volume. There's a change going on. You can mute it. There's no immutability with God. There's neither variable, there's no shadow of turning. What's some other things that uh, God just cannot do? He cannot deny himself. He cannot cont contradict his word. He can't reject his own self. So if we believe not, yet God remains faithful. He can cannot deny himself. That's the one promise about his work, a promise of his, the purpose of God. He cannot deny himself, even though we may fall into a state of unbelief like Thomas did. Thomas had to put his hand in the side. He had to fill the nail prints. He had, there's a lot of stuff going on through his unbelief, but even through his unbelief and children of God through the ages have fallen into some kind of state of unbelief. But thankfully, God cannot deny himself. He remaineth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Um, let's see here. Go to John. John 3 and 9. He says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. We obviously are all sinners. Adam transgressed the law and it passed it down through all of his seed all the way to the last era of promise. Everybody comes into the world a sinner. You don't have a, you have a choice. You know, I've never met one person as much as I have Adam. He is, in a nutshell, when I think about this, he has did more damage to humankind than any person ever has wreaked havoc when he committed the sin in the garden. Um, but he says, whosoever is born of God hath not, does not commit sin. The seed he's talking about, um, let's go here. In, the, in this, the children of God are met to see. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin. That's, that seed, which he was talking of, is in 1 Peter 1 and 23, he talks about that seed. He says, Seeing, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which li liveth and abideth forever. That seed that in you, Jesus, the spirit, he cannot sin, and therefore he is incorruptible, which liveth and abideth forever. Once you've given eternal life, that seed is in you, like we talked, heard about this morning, you don't pass away. You're going to pass into a heavenly kingdom to be with God forever and ever based on that simple fact, that work, that God cannot sin. And we know that God can't, uh, God can't be tempted with evil. And James 1.13 says, 
Well, sorry about that. I'm going to go back to that. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. The Lord Savior was tempted time and time again. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the rulers, the scribes, the elders, all tried to tempt God at some point during his way. Just like the devil did after uh, in the mountain temptation. But he, he had temp was tempted all the days of his life. All they wanted to do was to trip him up. That's all the devil wants to do is to trip you up. He can take temptation and put lipstick on it and put it right in front of your face and say, it's all good. Like, there's nothing wrong with this. And no one is going contrary to the word of God, contrary to the Lord and Savior. He is the tempter. He will catch you. He will put you in a snare. The devil is not slack. There's one thing you can definitely say about the devil is this. He's not lazy. He's coming after you. And there's nothing that brings him more pleasure to tempt you. Temptation is, is hard. I've been tempted over and over and over in my life. And it, temptation is no fun. It's no fun to deal with. <laughs> you have, we were telling Tabitha, our oldest daughter, you know, try to make the hard right decisions in life because you're going to have temptations. You're going to have peer pressure. And they don't say it's a hard right decision because it's easy. It's a hard right decision. You're going to be tempted to try to make a hard right decision. And that, if you want to get what the answer is, you open up the Bible and that's where you're going to get your information from. You go to the Lord, ask of the Lord. David was always seeking the Lord. Um, these are all things that God cannot do. And what's great about it is his purpose, his work, his promises are sure. They're both sure and steadfast, something reliable that you can count on. You can go to in time of need. You can go to him when you're weak because he is strong. God cannot fail. That's my, my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite attributes of God is that he simply cannot fail. I failed this morning. I couldn't even get the kids out of the house to get to church on time. I failed to get to church on time. It's, it's constantly failing. I was, um, I spoke last two Sundays ago in the afternoon and, and uh, last Sunday morning. And then this morning, dad asked me if I wanted to speak <laughs> this morning. And I'm th I was thinking in my mind, I'm like, well, I spoke two Sundays ago in the afternoon and then last Sunday. So I probably am not speaking this Sunday. And, you know, immediately thoughts of failureness that I haven't spent the time and a lot of the time that I needed. I just, you know, anytime I speak, honestly, <laughs> I have that sense of like, have I done enough? Have I been faithful and in the word and taking that time? It's a very difficult task for the pastor to be a father, a husband, to have a regular job and to do this. It's a great up and coming. But I mean, just a sense of failure. In life in general, I mean, we, we constantly fail. If we don't reach the mark in anything we do, we may have a passing grade of 90 in, uh, in school, or maybe an A, but you failed actually to hit the 100%. That's the goal. So failure, you know, sometimes it's not an option, but it's never been an option with the Lord. He says in Isaiah 42 and 4, he says, he shall not fail nor be discouraged. I mean, when you fail, it brings about discouragement. There's a discouragement here in this life. There's a discouragement. But he says he shall not fail, nor be discouraged, till he have set judgment in the earth, and the isle shall wait for his law. Thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens 
and stretched them out. He that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it. He that giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord God, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light to the Gentiles to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord. That is my name. That's his name. He is the Lord. He shall not fail. He shall not be discouraged. He says, I am the Lord. That is my name. He's not going to give his glory to anybody else. There's one true and living God that we can go to that's just as special as, to us as it was Adam. All the way back, you go across the history of children of God, and they can count on the Lord because he's not going to fail. I fail daily. You fail daily. Life is not a, you know, rainbows and unicorns. Okay, it's an uphill battle. We fail constantly. God will not fail you. His promises are sure and steadfast. I am the Lord. That is my name. And my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise from the end of the earth. Ye that go down to the sea, and all that is then, the isles and the inhabitants thereof. We can get up in the morning, we can sing praises to the Lord. We can come to his house, sing praises of adoration to him. Why? Because God cannot fail. He is with us day by day. He said he'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's for sure. He's not. I've left the Lord a lot in my life. I was once not even a member of the church anymore. But he's brought me back in. And I'm thankful that he has. But he will not fail. He won't leave you nor forsake you. You may leave him, but he will not leave you. That's the promise of God. That's the sure and steadfast God that we have. The things that God cannot do are just as sweet to me and they should be to you, knowing that we have something both sure and steadfast. It's the anchor to the soul, something we're going through tough times. We can have that anchor to hold us down and steady upon the seas of life and the perils that we have to face. I appreciate you uh, listening to me this afternoon.